Stewardship is an attitude of life. Stewardship is a way of life, and it's a, it's a, it's a view of life. Once you really understand stewardship, it changes your worldview, changes your view of yourself and your walk with God and the whole thing. So stewardship is about way more than money. Luke 12, 42, Jesus uses the word stewardship. And I want you to listen to his question. I love the questions that Jesus asked. They're all worth looking at. And it says, the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Now, let me pluck the question out of there. Who is that faithful and wise steward? Let me change it a bit. What is a faithful and a wise steward? What does it mean? Stewardship, we're all called to it, all of us. Father, thank you for your word today, and we pray you will bless it. And God, open our ears and open our understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, turn off your cell phone because he'll answer the next one. <laughs> I'm going to answer the next one. Hello? This is Pastor Jeff. I'm talking to about 500 people. What can I do for you? <laughs> All right. Listen to the question again. Who then is that faith? Now, when Jesus asks a question, I want to know the answer. Who is a faithful and wise steward? What is one? That's the question I'm going to focus on. You may not know today what the word steward means, but you're going to know when you leave today exactly what steward means. You're going to know. You're going to understand it. Matter of fact, your outlook on life in the next few weeks is going to change because of our understanding of stewardship. I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that most Christians in the West understand it. I can't speak for Eastern Christians. I don't talk to them. But Western Christians, those of us in America and in what we call the West, I don't think we understand stewardship. And we really need to have our minds renewed about this because it has everything to do with your walk with God. Jesus said that we're all stewards, every one of us, of what God has trusted to us. We're a steward of what he's trusted to us. So what does the word steward mean? What does it mean? It's taken from a Greek word that means manager, a manager or a guardian or a director or a trustee. The word is a compound word. If you broke it up, it literally means the manager of a household. The manager of a household. That's what a steward is. Now, all of us are stewards, so all of us are managers over something that God has entrusted to us. That's what Jesus said. So a steward is somebody who has been entrusted with what belongs to somebody else. A steward is somebody who has been trusted with what belongs to somebody else. If I gave you my car keys today and said, you can go uh, drive my car for a week and I'll pick it up next Sunday. It's not your car. I've trusted you with it. And you would be the manager or the overseer of it for a week. Ever keeping in mind, this is not my car. I can't trash it like I might trash my own. Better not wreck it. Better park it where it doesn't get pinged real bad. 
Because this isn't mine to mess up. This is somebody else's. We're going to see today that you aren't even your own. And nothing you have is your own. It's somebody else's. Jesus has given us the keys to life. He's given us the key every day that you wake up and are alive. You just got a gift from God. Because God could blink and you're gone. What is your life? James asked. It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. It's burned away like a morning fog. Jesus said it's like the flower of the field that appears for a short time and vanishes away. It's very brief in the overall scheme of things. It's a gift. And a steward means we're all stewards, and that means that we have been entrusted with certain things by the owner. And that's it. And that's the fact and the truth of life. Now, we see in the Bible that the primary task of a steward is that he is faithful with what is another's. When Jesus talks about stewardship, and when, and when we answer for our stewardship, we're going to answer for how we were faithful with what he entrusted to us. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, Paul says, It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Faithful. That's what God, what does Jesus say to those who are being escorted into glory? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In essence, he's saying, you have been a good steward over a little. I'm going to make you a ruler over much. That's the whole idea of stewardship. That's what a steward is. Jesus taught that the key to promotion and provision was faithful stewardship. Did you know that? If you want provision and you want promotion and you want God's success and blessing on your life, it comes by stewardship, faithful stewardship. Listen, listen now. Jesus said, he who is faithful over little will be faithful over much. He who is unfaithful with little will be unfaithful with much. If somebody will steal a dime, they'll steal a million. If somebody will return a dime, they'll return a million. Jesus judges whether or not we're ready for promotion by how we are stewards over the little he first entrusts to us. And throughout your life, the amount he trusts to you, the amount of things and responsibilities he trusts to you grows. It ought to increase, not decrease. The key to promotion and provision is faithful stewardship. Listen to Luke 12, 42 out of the Living Bible. Jesus said, quote, I'm talking to any faithful, sensible man whose master gives him a stewardship responsibility. Okay, Jesus, you're talking to me because you've given me a stewardship responsibility. You're talking to us because you've given all of us a stewardship responsibility. So say on, Lord. He says, if his master returns and finds that he has done a good job, there will be a reward. His master will give him food in due season. There's provision. Food in due season, provision, and put him in charge of all he owns, promotion. He will give him his food in due season, provision, and give him charge over all that he owns, promotion. And that's the way life works, folks. He watches our life, and he watches what we do with the things that he entrusts with us, and it always begins small 
and grows larger over time. And if you're faithful over little, you are provided for and you receive promotion, not from the east, not from the west, but from the hand of God. The Bible says, when you look at this stewardship issue, that we're going to give an account of our stewardship in three areas of life. Everybody in here is going to give account for their stewardship in three areas of life. The first one is your possessions. In the same chapter that Jesus was talking about stewardship in Luke 12, if you back up a bit in verse 20, he gives a parable of a rich man who the Bible calls a rich fool. He describes the prosperous man as saying this. He says this to himself. Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Kick back. Have a margarita. Head for the Bahamas. Live off that 401k. You're rich now. I mean, live it up, bub. You've worked for this. You deserve a break today. This is your reward. But God said to him, but God said to him, you fool. Tonight, your soul is required of you. Then who will get all your stuff? You've gathered up all this money, all these things, all these possessions. But tonight, you're going to die. And you're going to meet your maker. Now, Who's going to get everything that you gathered to yourself? It wasn't all for you. You know, it's an amazing thing how we think that the issue of life is to get all we can as fast as we can in any way we can. I've never seen a U-Haul at a funeral. You don't take anything with you. The Bible says we came into the world naked. We're going to leave the world naked. We can't, didn't bring anything with us and we're not taking anything after we're gone. That's the fact of life. Now listen to what Jesus said. You fool, tonight your soul is required of you. Who will get all your stuff? Then Jesus said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The rich fool gave an account for his possessions. What the rich fool didn't realize is everything he had was allowed by God. It was allowed by God. Now, secondly, we're going to give an account of our stewardship over our talents and giftings. Now, I want you to catch this. The Bible says very, very clearly in the New Testament that every single believer, every single individual has been given at least one gift or talent from God. And he gave that gift or that talent that we might glorify him with it. And so you can either glorify God with the talents and the giftings that he has given you, or you can squander it all on you. And what a waste it is to squander it all on you. God gave everybody a gift, everybody a talent, and the Bible says we're going to give an account of our stewardship over that gift. You know, I look at the world, I look at TV, and I see these people immensely talented, these singers and these actors and actresses and how they're able to make, you know, 40, 50 million dollars for one movie, the, the charisma and the gifting and the ability that God gave them. And yet they squander it all on themselves. And the Bible says when they go to eternity, when they die and they face their maker, he's going to require an accounting of what they did in terms of their stewardship over their gift. Because when you realize whatever it is that God gave you, whatever your gift is, 
You should give it back to him and say, Lord, glorify yourself through my life by this gift. That's why I tell you, I'm thankful. I'm a one gift guy. I'm glad I don't have five of them to keep up with and answer for. God gave me a calling to minister the word of God, and that's what I do. I can't sing. I can't. There's a lot of things. I know people that have five, ten different gifts. It's sickening. But you know what? I'm so glad I'm not there. I just got an answer for one. I'm going to give an account for one gifting and what I did with it. In his parable of the talents, Jesus said that the Lord of the servants, to whom he had given giftings and abilities, returned that Lord who gave the gift and the ability, returned and, quote, settled accounts with them. What was he settling? We know that one of them had gotten five talents and had gained five more. So the Lord got his investment out of those gifts in that person. He gained. And he said, well done, thou good and faithful steward, we could say. One of them got two, and he gained two more. Well done, thou good and faithful steward. You've been faithful over little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. But one of them feared God, had a wrong concept of God. That's what shot him in the foot. He had a wrong view of God. You're mean. You, 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 you reap where you did not sow. You're not fair. I'm afraid of you. And he buried his talent in the ground. And when the Lord returned and wanted an accounting for how he had been a steward over his talent, he said, I was afraid of you. You know, it's one thing to have the fear of the Lord. It's another thing to be afraid of God with a phobia, with a phobos, with a tormenting fear. If I give my life to God, he's just going to rip me off. He's just going to burn me. He's just going to, he's going to make me be something I don't want to be. He's, he's really not trustworthy for me to give him my life. Oh, what a bad decision. I want to tell you, God will maximize your potential. God will maximize your life. God will cause you to be something and do something and go places you would never have done or gone before. If left to yourself, you'd have never seen it. He designed you and made you to shine in a particular way. And nobody can shine like you. But if you, if you recoil from God like so many people do and, and live your life for yourself and unto yourself and by yourself, you're going to hear him say one day, why would you bury that talent? Why would you use it on yourself? You should have given it to me and glorified me with it. Then you would have had a reward. Each servant had to answer for how faithfully he or she had managed what God gave them. That's stewardship. That's answering for stewardship. And finally, we will give an account of our stewardship over the works done in our bodies. Now, I want you to listen to this very carefully. This is where I think Western Christians really miss it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, each of us will, each of us, each of us, everybody will receive whatever he deserves for the good or bad things he has done in his earthly body. Wow. Now, he's not talking about salvation and losing it or something like that. Because the salvation comes by the blood. It's the only currency that can be paid to deliver us from sin's curse, from death, hell, and the grave. But the currency that Jesus slapped down at hell's counter when he died on the cross was his blood. And now anybody who puts their faith in Jesus is delivered from the curse of death, hell, and the grave, which came via sin. So I'm not talking about that. He's talking about rewards or losses for the stewardship of the body. 
And I'm not talking about being sure you make it to curves three times a week. (laughs) Though you will have longer to store up rewards if you stick around longer. Take care of your body. Some of you are just waiting to get that new body when he raptures you. (laughs) I do believe that you ought to take care of yourself. That's another message in another day. (laughs) I heard somebody say, praise God. (laughs) The Bible says that our bodies are the temple or the dwelling place of God's spirit. I want you to think about this a minute. This is astonishing to me. God takes the Shekinah glory that used to only rest in the Holy of Holies when the high priest would go in with a cord tied around his ankle in case he said the wrong thing while he was in the Holy of Holies making atonement for the sins of the people and dropped dead. They could pull him out without having to go in and get him. So strong was that presence. That was God's temple. They spent untold money, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, to build that temple. But when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was rent in half from the outer court into the Holy of Holies, God was saying, now, if you come via his blood, if you come via my son, where only one man could come in once a year and experience my presence to the level that it was in the Holy of Holies, anybody who has been born again can step into that presence. That presence has been here today. And get this, he took that presence and he deposited that presence in our bodies. Bodies of clay, bodies of frailty, bodies that so easily sin. He put that glory in our bodies. Now, he says, therefore, He says, therefore, being that our bodies are the temple or dwelling place of God's spirit, Paul says, use every part of your body to give glory back to God because he owns it. He owns your body. He owns your body. You know, if that can go from your head into your heart, it'll change your life. That's why Paul argues in Romans. That's why he goes into the whole thing of present your members as instruments of righteousness as those who are alive from the dead. That's why in Romans 12, 1, he says, Therefore I beseech you, brethren, present your bodies, your bodies, your bodies, a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. You know why that's a reasonable, logical, sensible thing to do? Because you don't own it anymore. Your body is owned by God. He paid for it by the blood. It's not yours. Try to tell America that one. Because all of the cultural battles going on right now, so many of them have to do with it's my life, my body, my this, my that. They don't have a clue. When you really understand Christianity and what it really teaches, you're owned, you're purchased, you're bought by a, with a price. So glorify God in your body because that's a stewardship. That's something everyone is going to give an account for. How'd you do? Did you glorify me in your life? Did you use the gifting I gave you? Did you glorify me? Did you glorify me in your body? Did you worship me? Did you allow me to use you to talk to others? Did you allow me to make use of what I purchased? 
That's a powerful revolutionary thought for some of you. But it's true. Amen. Boy, it's quiet in here today. So we were going we're to give an account of our stewardship. Stewardship. Our management of our possessions. Did we give it to God? Did we yield them to God? Our giftings, did we give them to God and glorify God with them? And our bodies, did we give them to God? Did we present them to the Lord, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, our reasonable service? Did we do it? Did we do it? That's, that's why, and I just got to toss this in. I, this is why never, never once touch a drug. I'm talking about an illegal damaging destructive drug because the enemy wants what god purchased and wants to enslave it to something other than god that's why paul said i will not be brought under the power of anything but god's spirit see when you snort that coke and don't look around don't pull your halos out believe me it gets in church Or that methamphetamine, you snort it, you shoot it, you drink it, whatever it is, a drug that, that can enslave your body. Even, I'm, I'm going to go there, even a cigarette. Because can you believe that you become enslaved to a weed on the ground when you're supposed to be a slave of God? And the only reason I'm saying this is for those of you who might have somebody coming along, and this is really not about what we're here for, but, but really it is why we're here. Because I'm going to tell you something. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and don't be enslaved to anything. If some devil's fool comes to you and says, hey, try this one time, you need to look at it this way. Look at it this way. This person has been sent from Satan to destroy my life, to bring me into slavery to something other than God. I will not be enslaved to anything other than God. So thank you. See you later. Let them see your back real good as you run away. Because that's a fool. That's a fool. And they're hoping you'll be the devil's fool. Don't be the devil's fool and take a drug. Don't do it. There's some things you don't ever need to experience even one time. Well, Pastor Jeff, you know, it's just kind of the cool thing to do. Hey, I don't live for cool and I don't die for cool. I live for Jesus. What's cool? Now, I only say that because it says glorify God in your body. You can't glorify God in your body if you're enslaved to a drug. You will de-glorify God. So glorify God in your body. Can you say with me amen? I, I know I'm, I'm kind of stepping on a few toes here, but I hope to God that I do step on some toes before you give yourself to something that can ruin your life. Now, let me just tell you the truth about this. I want to leave you today with the number one groundbreaking, life-changing, door-opening, bottom-line truth about stewardship. Here it is in one statement. Are you ready? This is it. This is what you got to understand about stewardship before you understand anything else. Here it is. God is the owner of everything. God is the owner of everything. You thought you owned your car. You thought you owned your house. You don't. Most of you, the bank owns it anyway. 
But the bank thinks they own it, and they really don't, because God could bat his eye one time, and everything, the whole Western culture economy would bite the dust. It's all kept together by the word of the power of Christ, according to Colossians 2. So everything we have, he's allowed it. God is the owner of everything. That's why we're going to give an account for our stewardship of our possessions, giftings, and bodies. We don't own them. He does. They are a trust, not a possession. Alone, not owned. And we think it's a big deal if God says, I want 10% of the money you make. We, man, some of us never get that. It takes us 10 years hearing it all the time to ever begin to tithe. Some never do. But guess what? Our God could turn around today and say, I want 90% and have every right to say it because he already owns it all. And I'm about to show you that. So guess what? I'm here to tell you, you don't own nothing. That's bad English, but that's good preaching. You don't own nothing. (laughs) The truth is that life is not an issue of ownership. It's an issue of stewardship. Life is an issue of stewardship, not ownership. Life is not a contest to see who can get the most, but rather how faithfully you manage what belongs to him. That's what life is about. Once this truth gets from your head into your heart, here's, it settles all kinds of issues. It settles the lordship of Christ issue. Of course he's lord, he owns me. Tithing. All that I have is his. Picking up your cross of self-denial daily and following him, those issues are all taken care of. If you really understand stewardship, God is the owner of everything, everything. Listen to what Psalms 24.1 says. The earth belongs to God. Everything in all the world is his. Psalms 50 verse 12 God is speaking through the psalmist David, and he says this, If I were hungry, I wouldn't mention it to you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Everything is God's. If you read 1 Chronicles 29, David is about to help his son Solomon build the the greatest religious structure in the history of the world, the temple. Never been anything like it. Never will be, I don't think. David wanted to do it, but God said, you've been a man of bloodshed. I'm not going to let you build it, but your son's going to build it. Solomon being a man of peace. So he's speaking to the people. And here's what he tells the people as he is setting Solomon in and the building program is launched of the temple. The Bible tells us in 1 Chronicle 29, King David had contributed $85 million worth of gold, $20 million in silver, to the building of God's temple. The Bible tells us he emptied his own account to do it. 85 million of gold, 20 million of silver. Look how much value he attached to building God a place. He then turned to the people and he said, who will follow my example? And it says the leaders, the heads of the tribes, the army officers, and the administrative officers of the king pledged $145 million in gold, $50,000 in foreign currency, $30 million in silver, 800 tons of bronze, 4,600 tons of iron, 
along with great amounts of jewelry. And it says everyone was excited and happy for this opportunity to give. I did a little math. Just taking the gold and the silver, in one day they took up $225 million in gold, $50 million in silver were given in one day. I believe that's got to be the all-time record for a building fund offering in one day. (laughs) You tell me about another one like that. $275 million in a day. $275 million in a day. And that was just the beginning of the building program. It says that David was moved with deep joy. Now, I got to tell you, I've never read what I'm about to read to you. It's never caught me like it did this week. But there's something so moving about what David said. Instead of turning to the people who had, who had given all of this, he turned up and he began to talk to God. And I want you to listen to what he said. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be permitted to give anything to you. Now, I tell you all the time that I think in the New Testament, Paul is who I call the attitude king. You just couldn't knock the guy down because of his attitude. In everything, give thanks. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Always on top with his attitude. In the Old Testament, I got to give the gold star to David. Because here is David. He's just received a $275 million offering. And he doesn't even look at the people. He looks up and he's humbled by it. And he says, nothing like required or sacrificed or anything. He said, who are we that you permitted us, allowed us to give to you? I read that, and that's a mind-bender for me. Isn't that the way we view giving? He's requiring it of me. I'm required, 10%. Some of us never reach it, but it's required. How about we get to? We get to. See, When you understand stewardship like these people did, like David did, he's the one that said the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. When you understand that, that everything is his, you don't quibble with anything he says because it's his. It's his. That's stewardship. We are his and ours is his. Isn't that good? Well, having said all that, how many of you needed that today? Praise God. You know, I shared with you that um, Jonathan was 10 years old when he first saw me. And I, as a matter of fact, when I called him, he hung up and called his mother and said, Mother, who's Jeff Wickwire? Why does that ring a bell? She said, Honey, we used to go to his church when you were 10. Let me know. He was really tuned in. He really, I made a real mark on his soul. But it's amazing how sitting out there was the future builder of our building. And that we would, you know, God is an amazing God. And he's a God of of relationship. And Jonathan and I think alike. We think alike in terms of vision and and to make a mark for God and do things strong and and big. We, We think alike. 
Uh, I want to introduce him. Jonathan, why don't you and Kara stand up and turn around and let the people see you? <laughs> Amen. And uh, he's going to come up in just a moment, and he's going to show you a video that uh, is the future of our, we're, we're, it's where we believe God is leading us. And you need to know before he stands up that uh, we're still ironing out a couple of wrinkles in the lease purchase agreement, and we're believing God for finances. But we believe we're just about there. We're just about there. And I've told you before, if you could do it, it's probably not God. But if we look up and say, well, I can give you what I have, but you're going to have to do what I can't do, it's probably God. And so uh, he's going to show you three different phases in a building program and uh, the location and where we believe we're headed. And we need you to continue praying next week as we hammer out the fine points of the lease purchase. And I'll tell you a little bit more about it as we close. But Jonathan, come up. And grab the mic and give him a hand one more time. Jonathan Sparks. Yeah, there we go. Excellent. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Good morning. It is an honor and a privilege to be here today. I have known Pastor Jeff and his wife the better part of my life. Um, I am a fourth-generation builder. My family builds... Uh,